Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sephoication Conflagration. Here are your two amazing hosts, Nate Bradford and Stephen Ronquillo. Guys, take it away! Hello, everybody. Yes, we're back on the air this week. We're doing two in a row for once, so I'm shocked. And to introduce our guest, here he is, the one, the only, Nate Bradford. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Yes, uh, tonight we have a special guest with us, uh, comedian, podcaster, metalhead, and cult film fan, Mike Gray. Mike, take it away. What do you got hey, to say? Hey, what's going on? <laughs> uh, not much. Not much yet, but we'll. But but something's going to happen before the night's over. I promise yeah. you that. What? <laughs> oh, you promise me? Well, you. I mean, you better deliver. <laughs> yeah. All right. What is your podcast so, about? Uh, I don't Mike, even know. Mike, it's... Oh, what? What's up? I think he was asking what your podcast is about. Yeah. No, I. I don't know. Oh, oh yo, yo, yo you don't. <laughs> I, I, oh, you just, don't. I just get on and I yell into the ether. Oh, well, this is going to be a great night for you because that's exactly what Stephen and I do. We, uh, we've been doing this for seven years. We just get on once a week and just yell at whoever wants to be on the show. So you're going to enjoy this. You're going to enjoy this. Oh, awesome. Uh <laughs> sometimes we have a set in stone subject, and sometimes we're just like the old man yelling at a cloud. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, for sure. So, so Mike, uh, you and I know each other from doing stand-up comedy together over the last, uh, I would say, three years. Um, can, as a stand-up comedian, uh, let me ask you first: How long have you been doing comedy? Uh, not including 2020, I would say four years. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm we not didn't get a lot. 2020 because I had like five shows. <laughs> right, right. And is that why you decided to relaunch your podcast because you were you felt dissociated from the actual live comedy, so you wanted to go back to the podcasting? Yeah, because uh, I mean, especially where my style, I'm kind of a rant comedian. I uh, it, it flexes that muscle, you know what I mean? So it's like working out when I can't do an open mic or I can't, you know, just get, get on stage. I just I can just get on my mic at any time, and if I have a piece, and I'll just work it out there. You know, the best yeah. thing probably nowadays for you guys is the fact that you don't have someone back behind the stage before you walk out and go, okay, you can't say this, you can't say that, you might offend people, you can't do that, you can't say that. Oh, and you definitely can't talk about that bit. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, I would... I could just say I, what I, I would. Yeah, and I, I would bring this to the attention of anyone who's listening uh, that does not know Mike as I do. Mike, you're not afraid to say anything. You, you, you and I are both kind of those. I, I, I don't want to say edgy. I don't want to say that we're pushing the envelope, but I don't think mm-hmm. either you nor I ever censor ourselves. We just kind of go with what 
what what feels right in the moment. How, what do you think about that? Uh, I would say that I'm not so much afraid of saying things as saying something and then getting canceled. So, you know, I mean, I'm not going to drop an N-bomb or something in the middle of a set. But for the most part, yeah, I just talk about whatever. I'll just mm-hmm. talk about depression and suicide and stuff. And it's well, yeah, I, I, offended I, by it, you know. Yeah, I did not mean to well, insinuate. The, I, I, I did not mean to <laughs> insinuate that you would ever say the N word or you know anything like that. But but I think you and I have that same sensibility where we will go on stage and just talk about, like you said, depression, anxiety. Uh, yeah. I, I I've literally seen you on your knees screaming at a stool at 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 open mics, none, nonetheless. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. one of the best bits like that I ever seen was uh, it was in Richard Pryor here and now, and someone brought out like a baby crab on the stage and just gave it to him. And he <laughs> did like a ten or twelve minute bit with just that little crab. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> He's like, yeah. Why yeah. are you fucking with me? Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> or the All right, so... Bill Hicks story. He was uh, about to go on stage in the campus, and uh, this guy uh, said to him, "He said, well, you can't say this and this.'" And he's like, "Has my check cleared? Yes. Isn't in my account." Yes, it should be. That's part of the deal. Then go fuck yourself. <laughs> then he walked off. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I, I don't, I, I, I don't. Uh, you know, as, as a fan of Mike's, I don't, I don't feel like. Again, like we were saying, yeah, I'm not afraid he's going to say the n word. I'm not afraid that he's going to disparage women or, or, or do. You know, Mike, you're, you're one of the nicest guys I know, but I, I know that you're fearless. And when it comes to comedy. Do you think that there's anything that should be off limits as for us as like cis white males who do stand up comedy? Do you feel like there's anything that should be off limits? Uh, again, uh, uh, you know the the n word and et, et cetera. Yeah, of course we already know that. But well, uh, I, I think even when it comes to that, I think uh, like I think when people talk about using a word like that, it's you shouldn't just use it. You know, like Boston comedians and stuff like Lenny Clark in the 80s, he would just say it. You know what I mean? That's oh, yeah. cool. Um, but if I'm telling a story and someone else said it, like, I shouldn't get canceled for that. That's that's super softballing it. You know what I mean? I'm not being mean to anyone. I'm telling a story that involves that. So I think, yeah, anyone should be able to say that. You know, because, I mean, even five years ago, guys were still saying that. And, and again, in context, they're not being mean. Because I think a lot of times, you know, if I were to say that, it'd be a white person who'd be offended by it and try to <laughs> Right. Yeah, you know? right, right, like, yeah. right. Yeah. A lot of white knighting going on, I think, that is unnecessary. Yeah, Paul Mooney said the best. He said, I say it, you think it. What a small white world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so Mike, uh, where, where was, where was your first ever comedy show? What, where, where was your first ever show? Like uh, my first book show? Uh, or yeah. uh, like my first mic? First, 
first first mic, whatever 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 uh, whatever resonates with you. Uh, uh, just tell the story. First first well, mic, first I, show. I took tell us uh, both. Tim Farrell's class, so I I got I got two shows out of that, and um, that was pretty fun. I, I did I think I did pretty well, and I think I was able to actually write comedy. You know what I mean? Where I was I was taking abstractions and and making jokes right off the bat about maybe not depression and stuff like that. Um, but you know, you know, my joke about work, my work jokes, um, yes. that was what, that was yes. the first bit I wrote. I mean, that was in my very first set. So I've had that for five years now. Um, yeah. and then, uh, my first book show was Adam street pub in here in Biddeford. And that was yes. uh, Joe Ellis and B rad booked that. That was weird. I mean, I mean that show was okay. The, that first one I was on, but there were some weird nights there. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, be, being comedians in Southern Maine, you and I have both had our fair share of bizarre uh, uh, <laughs> uh, rooms. No doubt about that. Uh, <laughs> that was oh, one yeah. of my uh, favorite parts of Joker that no one really talks about. Where it shows the comedian up on stage, and the first time you see him, he's telling jokes and stuff. And then the second, it's like, oh my God, my wife hates me. I wish I were dead. <laughs> and then it shows the audience just laughing, not getting what he was actually saying, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, there, there's a very real uh, 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 side to that. Uh, Mike, do you do you feel like there are jokes that you tell? I, I'm not sure of your relationship status, but uh, just say, uh, are there jokes that you tell sometimes that you feel like are offensive to your uh, your significant other or your family? And you, and again, we we were speaking about this. You and I are kind of fearless when it comes to just getting on stage and saying whatever we want to say. But do you feel like there are jokes that you have that? you are a little tentative about telling because of family members or, you know, you know, fuck them. They don't show up. (laughs) Right. Like my my girlfriend (laughs) will come and there's nothing, there's nothing about her that I joke about really. And then, uh, I mean, I have some, some stuff about my mom's religion that I think she would, it would really upset her. So, but I mean, I don't ever plan on having her come to a show. She thinks Jeff Foxworthy is edgy. So it's, She's not going to laugh. Yeah, I know. Right? I'm from California, and I'm sort of a Yankee, but I'm going to put on a southern accent and make fun of all you southerners, and you dumb idiots are going to eat it up. (laughs) Yeah, fucking Larry the Cable Guy. Jesus Christ. So, I don't All of it. All of it's just terrible. Um, so now, uh, we got to take a news break here. Uh, there's a fourth wave of, uh, the coronavirus. Uh, mm-hmm. there is, there's nuclear water, uh, leaking into the ocean in Japan. And, uh, another black man was killed by police the other night. Uh, Mike, what's your favorite movie? Oh, well, uh, I have to say, <laughs> uh, my favorite movie it's not it's not uh, cult though. It's not a cult film at all. It doesn't have to be a cult film. Just whatever your oh, favorite okay. movie. No. 
Uh, well, my favorite movie is Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan, you really? Seen the Baby yeah. Red one? Uh, no, I haven't seen. I think I saw part of. No, it was it was a bridge too far. That was that had some of the same cool. actors in it, but I haven't seen the Big Red one. Hmm. You need to see yeah. that one. That one's good. Well, I'm a big fan yeah, of Mark. The guy that the guy that's like doesn't have a cult and probably never will be. <laughs> it's like yeah. there's five <laughs> going around like Sam Fuller's so fucking good. Yeah. But yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Doesn't that really make you feel better about yourself? When you have a trained policeman who can't tell the difference between a damn taser and a gun. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That yeah. I honestly don't hey, think this... they should have guns for stuff like that, and if they do have guns, they should have like I mean, what is it? What's the capacity on those Glocks? Probably seventeen rounds. The first five should be rubber bullets. If you still need to shoot someone after five rubber bullets, then they might have to die. But, yeah. you know, you're not going to yeah. have as many yeah. fuck-ups. Yeah, I, I, mean, I have an argument. By using that as an excuse, you're either going to make yourself seem like the biggest liar in the world or the biggest dumbass in the world. Yeah. yeah. I don't think there's well. many good choices. Like, am I going to be a dumbass or a liar? <laughs> well, I <laughs> I I I don't know. I I I I'm about fifty fifty. I'm a dumbass and a liar, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. But you know, you know, you know what really pisses me off though. Okay, so okay, so uh, Mike, I'll I'll tell you this, and, and you uh, you know Leonard Kimball, uh, and he's been one of yeah. my mentors in 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 our comedy scene, and so Leonard says, uh, if if you've got a solid idea for a joke. But there's no truth behind it. Just fucking lie to me. I don't care. You know, make up a story, and and make right, this, yeah. and sell and sell this joke. You know, and uh, and that's funny. And I do that when it comes to stand up comedy. But man, don't I get fucking pissed off being a liar in real life when someone calls me out on a lie that's not a lie? Like if all right, if you catch me in a lie, fine. I'll back down. But how fucking pissed off do you guys get if someone accuses you of lying when you're not lying? Oh, I hate that. <laughs> it's, it's the right? worst. Because you know you're not lying. You know that you're right. Yeah, and exactly. Like, no, I, I don't believe you. Like, uh, no, how about fuck off? This... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Steven never lies, Mike. So we he he doesn't even weigh in on this because Steven is the he uh, he never lies. He he's just like, "Oh, never?" No, I don't lie. I just bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> he he's There's polishing his fuck, He's polishing his fucking wings right now. Jesus Christ. This guy. Ah, no. <laughs> Yeah, it's a southern right, so, delicacy. Polished wings and barbecue, <laughs> honey mustard, and mystery sauce, a.k.a. shit we just had leaving around the kitchen that we're going to see if your dumbass is going to eat. 
So <laughs> you know what? You know what's funny about this? So Mike said that his favorite film is Saving Private Ryan, which, incidentally, I just rewatched the other day. It popped up on my Netflix. I rewatched it. Great film. I do love it. I wouldn't say it's my favorite film of all time, but uh, uh, Mike, what, what about Saving Private Ryan uh, really, like, uh, draws you to it? Uh, well, it's it's that... Uh, it, it was probably one of the first war movies that they made where the deaths look real. You know what I mean? Like people are crying to their mothers when they're laying there, their guts hanging out. Like they didn't have that before. And so for people to watch it, they were like, Jesus, this is really what it was like. And uh, yeah. in addition to that, my, my grandfather dropped into Southern France with the 517th airborne. So, he kind of had a similar he like he didn't land on Normandy but you know he fought in France just like those guys did so there's like a personal connection to it right right that's cool uh, yeah that's cool private, Ryan wouldn't have the impact it had if they would allowed Sam Fuller to get the uncut version of the big red one out there he was a member of the big red one that actually landed in Normandy one of my favorite bits in scenes in it is like he, he it's like the character that's him is like his sergeant's like get out there and let and uh fight them he's like sir no sir well, why the fuck not i don't want to get shot sir <laughs> and then the sergeant pulls out a gun and points at his head you know it'd be a damn shame if i'd have to blow your brains out right here he's like i'm getting out now sir <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I know that uh, Stanley Kubrick never really openly acknowledged any uh, any influences, but I definitely think that uh, that 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 Sam Fuller film uh, influenced uh, inspired some of what he did uh, on Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. I, I liked that movie too, but uh, I didn't. I mean, the, the boot camp scenes with uh, Arlie Ermey, are, that's the best. So it's like the first half yeah. of the movie, and then they get to Vietnam, yeah. and it's the biggest letdown. <laughs> it's yeah. just so boring yeah. after I know. that. It's, like it's one half of the best Vietnam movie ever made, and then it gets to Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah. But then uh, it has come out in the past uh, decade or so that basically the first half of the movie was written by Arlie Ermey. Oh, yeah. For, yeah, yeah he just improvised. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, speaking of which, Mike, um, how do you feel about, uh, when it comes to comedy, how do you feel about improv uh, have you ever really experimented with it i i know a lot of our friends uh, uh do do improv uh have you ever done have you ever tried it uh, no i mean like back in high school i i would do because i would i was doing theater back then so we would do improv kind of stuff to warm warm us up and whatnot um but i grew out of it i i've never i i know i need i should try to do it you know what I mean? I should I should go to a practice for improv and because I need to be able to think on my feet more. You know what I mean? And and it would help with crowd work and stuff to be able to Yeah. You know, 
yeah. get a subject out of yeah, someone I, and then kind of go after it. I kind of feel the same way. Like I, I, and, and you and I are similar in this regard. Uh, I know that you and I like to sit and write out our bits and write out uh, our, I'd like, uh, you know, you are one of the few uh, out of like the 200 comedians that I've met over the last uh, five years doing stand-up comedy. You're one of the few people who really, I know, like, I know you sit down and you work on your bits uh, before you perform them. I know we all work open mics and we all, you know, have fun trying to work out new stuff, but uh, uh, yeah. Um, sorry. I just, a message just popped up on my screen here when I was trying to think my way remember i did mention before that i am high and drunk so <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh but yeah well, you uh to, you know if you're uh doing oh sorry see if you're doing a live podcast you have to learn to do improv or else you're never going to have to worry about dealing like uh like one of the worst things I ever did was Tessa Dick, uh, Philip K. Dick's widow, who was stoned off her ass, talking all sorts of crazy, bizarre conspiracy bullshit, and I was doing my best to try to get her off the freaking air without just saying, fuck you, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, uh, Out of of seven years of podcasting together, that was definitely one of the weirdest fucking shows ever. You talked to Philip K. Dick's widow. Oh God! Well, well, she talked. Oh yeah. Imagine someone that's on like LSD and the mushroom, the same LSD and mushrooms at the same time, and you're trying to get a coherent stream of thought out of them. So it, it basically it basically read like do androids dream of electric sheep? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I think at one point she did ask that of us. Did she not do androids dream of electric sheep? And we had we had no answer. <laughs> you no, know, you was lucky enough to dodge that bullet, mate. There's certain yes, shows yes. I'm going to say you were lucky to dodge the bullet. Yes, I took and I took the night off. My host who got her for that. I was nice to him, but the second we were off the air, I called him up and was basically just using the obscenity dictionary against him. Do not ever <laughs> get anyone like that again, unless you yeah. fucking bet them yeah. before the show. Oh. See now, see Mike. This is what's going to happen after our show tonight. He's going to call me and say, don't ever get someone like that on the fucking show again. <laughs> can no, already hear Mike's it. actually pretty uh, good. Like I said, I've dealt with the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so, Mike, do you remember how we first met? Do, uh, I, I, I have a story about the first time you and I met. And I actually have a bone to pick with you. I what, do. Uh, where was it? It was at Bull Feeney's in Portland, Maine. Okay, yeah. Uh, and, and, and it was an open mic. And 
And you and I kind of communed with one another because we were dressed very similarly. We were wearing skate sneakers, baggy jeans, heavy metal t-shirts, sweatshirts, uh, and he and has hair. you. Well, yeah, Mike so has hair. I don't. Well, fuck you, Stephen. What I've seen your hair. I've seen your fucking hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So Mike has more. So I can talk shit about it. <laughs> You've been bald since 18, so you can talk shit. Yeah, I started losing hair when I was 18, so fuck y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike has a has a luscious mane. Uh, so, 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 Mike, you came over to me, and you asked if you could borrow a pen, and yes. and and you went over and you were and you were scribbling in in your notebook. Now, it was an open mic, and so we went up and we did our tight five and, and, and worked through some new shit or whatever. And then afterwards, Don Hartel, who was hosting the show, uh, did a one-minute uh, comedy challenge. Do you remember that? Yeah, like, yeah the, the one-minute one minute challenge. Yeah, yeah. one-minute challenge. And you went up and, and you won. And... Uh, apparently with the jokes that you wrote with the pen that I loaned you, and then you fucking left with my pen. (laughs) (laughs) And the dollar you would have won. And and the dollar. And the dollar that you won, you (laughs) motherfucker. You st- I know you still have that pen. I know you've got that pen somewhere. I I pro is it uh is it a a paper mate or a bic? Oh it's a paper mate. Oh it's a paper mate, buddy. Mm. Those are fucking expensive too. Those are like you know you get two of those for three dollars. That's a, that's an expensive pen. But you know what? Let me tell you this. Next week, next week you were not there, and I won the one dollar one minute challenge. <laughs> but you didn't so, get your pen back. I didn't get my pen back though. No, and that's what <laughs> this is all about, Mike. That's why I invited you on the podcast tonight. Everyone, oh, let it be known. It. Mike Gray is a pen thief. <laughs> yep. Now I'm everyone knows. Yeah. Be lucky we're just on the phone because right now, if you were here, if we were live, live, Nate would pull out a ball back going, where's my fucking pen? I want my pen yep. now. <laughs> oh. I don't know, man. I, I mean, Mike's, Mike's substantially larger than I am. I don't know if I could take him in a but in a fight over a pen. <laughs> well, I can't run very well anymore these days, so you might have a shot at catching me, like running me down. Oh, oh no, Maybe not no, the no. State you're in, but yeah, no, I have I have substantial nerve damage, so I I cannot run either. You know what? This would be <laughs> the funnest. This would be the funnest thing ever. You and I on the streets of Portland. And we're just limping. You're, you're limping away from me, and I'm limping after you, screaming, "Where's my pen?" <laughs> I'm like, like hundred can... feet away. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my pen? Where's my pen? <laughs> I'm sure we. I'm, I'm. I'm sure we could get like Allie York to film it. <laughs> She's always on the streets of Portland filming things. You know, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! Oh god! And you and I 
ever nope, said this that... on the show. Wait, yeah, you have, Nate. You have said that your favorite movie was, uh, well, Pulp Fiction, right? Yes, my favorite movie is Pulp oh, Fiction. That one. is, that that's that's no secret to anyone who's ever listened to our show over the last seven years. I talk, yeah, Mike, I I I talk about Quentin Tarantino all the fucking time. Uh, I'm obsessed. It's I know. Oh, really? Is there, is there anything he's done you didn't really care for? Uh, no. Um, uh, I would say my least favorite thing of his. Uh, is his segment in four rooms. Um, uh, you know, he does the, what's it called, Stephen? The man from, the man from, what's, what's, what's Tarantino's segment on four rooms? Uh, the, it's the man from something. It's basically a ripoff of an episode of Alfred Hitchcock. It it is, it is a complete and total ripoff of an Albert, of an episode of Alfred Hitchcock presents. Yeah, that's that's why I just oh. like it so much. Um, and I'll I'll forgive Tarantino for some of his less blatant ripoffs, but that one is a straight up. That's an episode of Alfred Hitchcock presents. We've seen it. We've all seen it. Or, you know, yeah, it, yeah, it's fucking bullshit. But yeah, that's probably the only thing of his that I've never really cared for. I, I, I'm a little dodgy on Inglorious Bastards, although I do think it's a really great film. Uh, the, the reversionist history, you know, of killing Hitler in the theater. I don't know. I don't really care for that. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I didn't really like that. I mean, there were parts of that movie I really liked. Um, one thing I, I, I kind of was 50, 50 on death proof. Yeah. I just, I, that's funny. You mentioned that again, because uh, I, like you, you were talking about saving private Ryan. I watched that a couple of days ago. I just watched death proof again a couple of days nice. ago. And, um, yeah. Um, I, I, I hear where you're coming from on death proof. It's, it's not a, it doesn't feel like a Tarantino film. You know, like when you're when you're going to watch a Quentin Tarantino movie, you're expecting like dialogue and you're expecting, uh, you know, like uh, strange transitions, time, you know, time shifting and stuff like that. And yeah. uh, there's none of that in Death Proof. It, it feels like a very straightforward action. Well, my or, problem you know, with uh, Death Proof is it's placing in the movie. If they would have put death proof in first and went straight from that badass car case into Planet Terror, that's how I would have seen it to drive in down south. Yeah, yeah. You and I just talked about this on the show last week. We were actually talking about Grindhouse uh, as as a whole and Toto with the... Uh, with yeah, the... I, I definitely... I saw that in theaters. I was so, like... In terms of going to the movies and uh, seeing, like, that was probably the coolest cinematic thing I'll experience in a theater. Just, you know, where they had, where they had the, it was, it was supposed to be like an old movie. You know, you had the, the film cut out right around the sex scene in Planet Terror. (laughs) And then it comes back and there's like important plot points that we missed. (laughs) You know, we missed that. And then, and then the, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was great. That's funny. You, Mike, Mike should have been on the show last week, Stephen, because we talked about Grindhouse uh, yeah. quite but, a bit yeah. last last week. <laughs> but, but I so. have to say, my favorite film, and it's always been since I was a kid, not that this proves that I'm a weirdo, was uh, Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in the West. Once Upon a Time in the West, huh? That That's your favorite of yeah. all? So, yeah. So, hmm. it, so you're picking Sergio Leone. You would pick Once Upon a Time in the West over Good, the Bad, and the Ugly? Yeah. All right. This podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've probably seen Good, the Bad, and the Ugly more, but I just love Once Upon a Time in the West more. I mean, Charles Bronson and Henry Fonda. Yeah, yeah. No, it is a good movie. Yeah, I'm not denying that. It's a good movie. I but I I still like the good, the bad and the ugly more. So, you know. I'm gonna do one of those that's, memes. That's a classic. I'm I'm gonna do one of those memes, guys. Tomorrow morning when you guys get on Facebook, you're gonna see me uh like photoshopped behind that desk. Good, the bad and the ugly is better than once upon a time in the West. Prove me wrong. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. So, so in, uh, in, terms Mike, of, in terms of cult films, I actually have a question. If you guys have seen or heard of the Holy Mountain? Oh, are you kidding? The first podcast <laughs> we had, but I know, I I know it's don't, fucked don't up get me and started. brilliant. I, yeah, dude. The, the first podcast, on, uh, Joe Dawarski. We'll see yeah, for my Halloween first... episode, uh, Tony Strauss, I did uh, Santa Sangre. Yes, but Stephen, you do recall, and this is funny to bring this up uh, with Mike on the show. You and I have been doing podcasts together for seven years now. The very first yeah. podcast we ever did was about the Holy Mountain. No way. No, it was El Topo. Yes. It was El Topo. Well, we, well, we did Jodorowsky in general. Yeah, but we, we talked did a about show on Jodorowsky. That was our first show ever, Stephen. That was seven years ago. Yeah. The first show we ever did, you and me and Carl. And we talked about Jodorowsky, and we talked about the Holy Mountain and all of his films. Yeah. So, So, Mike, you've never seen it. You've never seen the film. I've never seen it. I, I was because I work for this band, uh, and they went on stage in this place in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and they would play a movie behind them. Yes. And it was really weird because I mean it had nothing to do with anybody's set, but they they played. What was the first one? It was uh, Tokyo. Um, oh, it was really gory and it was really weird. Tokyo Gore Tokyo Police. Tokyo Gore Police. Yeah, <laughs> and yes. um, they, they played that, and then they started playing the Holy Mountain, and the, you know the band's playing, but I'm watching this like, what in the fuck is this? <laughs> this is so weird. Uh, yeah, see, 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 That's Stephen. This most people, th- th- yeah, someone kept coming up to me on Facebook throughout the years, and they're like, "Oh, I want to start." 
watching Dota Worski films. Let me watch The Holy Mountains, my first film. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> you don't no, want to start no. out with the strong stuff. <laughs> you know, go for El Topo. Then if you don't <laughs> yeah. think that is too weird, then go for The Holy Mountain. <laughs> yeah, you don't, don't smoke crack before you just do a little bump of Coke. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to be careful. Uh, so, uh, Mike, one one of the other things that uh, that you and I have a lot in common, uh, music. What what's uh, what's what's your favorite band right now? What do, what are you listening to a lot of right now? Well, my my favorite band is Opeth. Okay. Uh, even so the that, new stuff, you know. So that's that's a hands down favorite. You'll, hands down, you'll, like. Like like me with Clutch. I love Clutch. Like Clutch yeah. will always be my favorite. So that's your hands down favorite. Is that what you're listening to right now, or you got some new music that you've been uh, listening to? Uh, nothing really new. Uh, but I mean, I, I listen to that kind of that Scandinavian progressive metal kind of things, so like them and Enslaved and uh, Ishan. Uh, dissection my my friend's band uh begat the nephilim i mean they're from new hampshire but they they very much sound like a yeah. um european mellow death band right cool That's yeah cool man yeah i i i, so I always know your... like boy no go ahead steven no no you go since you're into the scandinavian stuff what did you think of the movie that came out about that band from that scene um lords uh, uh lords of chaos yes i didn't get to see that unfortunately but uh it was it was kind of weird because it's like i want to see this movie but i'm like does this mean black metal is no longer in the underground you know what i mean they're making a major <laughs> motion picture and i was like i don't know how i feel about this <laughs> and apparently Bard did not know how he felt about it either yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I have never seen Mark say nice things about anything, even his own music. Yeah, he can't. He's just like, that eh, sucks. What I, I, I hate him. Jews, every everybody. God damn, dude, calm down. <laughs> he walks by yeah. a mirror. Hey, fuck you. What? <laughs> but but come on, Mike. Like like you and I have this same attitude as well though where we're just like you know like you and I are both very like I think uh, we're very like minded and we're both kind of like uh, I want to say like uh, like we're loving interactive people but at the same time we have that same not loving yeah not not just necessarily self-loathing but we kind of loathe even though against our better judgment we kind of loathe at times you know i mean do you feel that oh, for sure yeah, but you said yeah. loving yeah well my i whole, love Mike. my my whole act <laughs> is uh based on the things that i can't say in real life right. so it's like yeah. all this anger that, that comes out on stage, it's real. I mean, I'm not putting on a character. It's me, but it's stuff that I'm not, I'm not allowed to do. I'm not allowed to be like that 
all the time. So that's where that comes from. Yeah. Well, yeah, like like I said, uh, you know, I've seen you scream at a stool on stage at an open mic, but at the same time, if I post something on your Facebook wall, you give me the heart emoji. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Was the stool talking yeah. shit to him? Oh, oh yeah, Stephen, you don't even know what it's like to be a stand-up comedian. The, those stools will talk shit to you all day, every day. Oh yeah, they will. Well, fuck that stool, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you so, ever see that the old Bill Hicks special where he he's talking about uh man if they have a cure for AIDS it's gonna be fucking in the streets and he starts he <laughs> like throws the stool down on the ground he starts humping it and the top of the stool falls off he's like damn baby <laughs> I fucked your head off <laughs> uh, yeah. well it it's it's funny you mentioned Bill Hicks because I was gonna ask you um. So who are some of your favorite comedians? As a comedian yourself, uh, who are some of your favorite comedians? Well, Bill Hicks is the reason I got into comedy. Um, and then uh, yeah, I it, see, would, it would have uh, to be – oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a little I see, different I, I, in my style. I see, a lot of Bill, I see a lot of Bill Hicks in your act when I, when I see you perform. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I've been yeah. compared to Sam Kennison a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I see Tim Doug Stanhope, uh, yep. Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle. Those guys are some of my favorites. Yeah. Well, see, and, and that's why you and I, like, I think connect, uh, you know, even though we only get to do, like, uh, you know, again, with everyone in our group of comedians, you know, there's like 200 of us. So we only get to, you and I only get to perform together, like, you know, two or three times a year, but, um, I think I've always, yeah, I think I've always, uh, connected with you though, because I feel like we have a lot of the same. Yeah. Oh yeah. Doug Stanhope. Come on, man. Uh, dude, I don't care. So I, I don't care so much for Bill Burr. Um, but I, I, I appreciate him, but I don't care so much for him, but, um, uh yeah oh Chappelle of course yeah uh he's oh, in yeah. there um uh some female comedians that I really like a lot uh Sarah Silverman um yeah mm-hmm. uh, she's raunchy she's raunchy and funny you know and again yeah, I think she's great you know yeah so uh yeah and, and but I don't know yeah uh Bill Hicks I mean you know the goat you know <laughs> yeah I, I can't. I can't think of another comedian that I love as much as Bill Hicks. And it's sad that he only got to release so many albums before he passed away. Um, mm-hmm. But we have what we have, man. And, uh, and even though some of it has not aged as well as you would like to, uh, I, I would, I would love, man, how much would you have loved to see Bill Hicks live through like nine 11? And the Trump presidency, for fuck's sake. Come on, man. That, oh, oh, man. I mean, I don't think he would have <laughs> said anything that we correct. didn't hear. You know what I mean? Like, he, he yeah, would have. I would love you know, someone to been I saying just see him, someone back behind the stage giving him a list of what he can't say, and then him dragging that guy out in the list and just destroying him, just dragging the guy out on stage. Yeah, well, yeah, that, I mean, that's what we were talking about earlier, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, and uh, I think 
Mike and I both agree on this as comedians and you know, there, there shouldn't be anything. There shouldn't be anything that's off topic. If you're going to mm-hmm. say something that's, if, if you're going to say something that's racist or sexist, that's, that's inappropriate, but there shouldn't be anything that's off topic. As long as you can, yeah. you know, stay in your lane, you know, uh, like keep it, keep it civil you know, uh, you, you know, uh, yeah, you guys both go, know. Uh, who's that guy uh, that was uh, from Seinfeld? Don't go all him. Don't go all him. Yeah. No, no, yeah. don't, don't go. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Don't go. Don't, don't, yeah. don't go Kramer. Uh, like Mike and no, I, don't go, uh, we are, don't go full Kramer. Uh, you know, they always say uh, punch up, right? That's a comedy go to punch up. Yeah. You know, don't don't punch down. Um, and and so uh, and I, I, I think I, I, I think you could punch sideways, though. And I think a lot of people don't realize <laughs> that. I mean, you can you can oh. make fun of your peers. You, you can you can criticize your peers. Yeah, you can make fun of the president, too. But like everybody these days is doing political humor. And I, see, that's the funny thing about Bill Hicks is like you say. I would have liked to see him live through 9-11, the Trump presidency, but at the same time, Bill would not – because if you really listen to him, you realize he's not anti-right-wing. He's anti-authority because he knows it's all a scam, So, and I think these days he would he – would, he wouldn't like the political correctness in comedy. I mean, he wouldn't be mean, and he wouldn't be anything like that. But he just he wouldn't like the the policing, the joke policing going on, and the cancellation. He he would hate all that. And hell, he might even yeah. Yeah, Who knows? You know what I mean? Like uh, Gabriel Iglesias can't do fat jokes anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, right, no. right. Yeah. Fat joke, well, period. I mean, I can't think of a more harmless joke than, ha ha, you're fat. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. but now and, they're yeah. just like, oh my God. <laughs> and then the guy breaking down crying, like, what the hell? You called me fat. You destroyed my inner reputation and my sense of self worth. <laughs> then you don't have much of a value of self worth then. Yeah, and and Stephen, you should come at this uh, because we're on the air, so no one can see you. But you're an overweight gentleman yourself, so if you're not offended by fat jokes, then yeah, yeah. Well, my favorite (laughs) comedian of all is uh, Paul Mooney. If you listen to his albums, there's always one little bit where, like, a white what? It's always a white couple that gets offended and walks out of his show. (laughs) He's like, yeah. oh, now the show can begin. The white people have got a family left. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, really, a black guy talking about black things, and then a white person comes up and goes, you're a bad person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, never... so here's another. Oh, go all ahead. Right. What do you want? No, no, I was going to no, change go topics, ahead. but yeah, oh, go ahead. Uh, did did you guys see this this thing uh, on on the news today 
the Digidog. Did you guys see the Digidog on the news today? No, I didn't. What the hell is that? Okay, so so uh, in New York City, they're rolling out this new uh, uh, robot dog that that can go around the city and and uh, it, it I guess it has kind of a um, some kind of imaging device so it can just transmit back to the police station. So I guess it would essentially be like a beat cop, you know, like walking the beat, but instead they've got this, uh, this digital dog, right? Digi dog. So he walks around and he does the beat. Well, uh, they just started this last week and already this thing has attacked a person. (laughs) You guys, you guys seriously have not seen this? No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it has an attack. It has an attack capability, right? Like, so it's mm. supposed to be able. To, it's supposed to be able to like subdue someone if they're doing something illegal. But it the it, it malfunctioned and just attacked some woman. Who was like digging through a garbage can? That one dog, that that one robot that was supposed to walk across the U.S. but only made it to Detroit. Oh yeah, they dismantled the whole damn thing. (laughs) Yes, yes. You killed my brother. (laughs) There's something in there, like this. This, if it attacked a black dude, it would be done. It would be done. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Yep, you're done. You, you know yeah. dogs, like, you know regular dogs, sometimes if they're in a white family, they're not fond of <laughs> other people, if you know what I'm saying. Like, so I, I think maybe that's what happened. Yeah. I It was a woman who was digging through a garbage can trying to get some bottles or something, and, and the it, 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 she was a white woman. She was an elderly white woman, and, and DigiDog just attacked her, like, started snarling and uh, biting at her leg. And like I said, these things, they're technically uh, just wandering on their own, but, but the, the camera relay goes back to the police station. So the police can see what, what the digi dogs are seeing. Right. So that means that I, I mean, I don't know how, how it works behind the control booth, but it seems like a police officer was like, hit the, hit the okay, or, you know, control alt shift or something. And, and that dog just attacked some little old lady who was head down in a fucking garbage can. Or it's, a, it's some, some big fat cop. And he's just like, Oh Jesus, what am I looking at here? And he spills his coffee on the keyboard. And then the dog just goes <laughs> insane and attacks this old woman. You need cops who, who need to chase people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and I think that like outsourcing it to Android, that's not going to solve anything. <laughs> right. You know what the sad right. thing is? When we were in our 20s or a little bit younger, they would already have the exploitation movie in the drive-in by now. Kill box, kill dog. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Can you guys still hear me? Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, thought I... That's what, I do miss that from the old days, too. Whenever something like that would happen in the news, then boom, a week later, or basically four to five weeks later, you would have the exploitation knockoff of that incident in the theaters. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, what 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 do we call that? Uh, man bites dog, right? We talked about that. Uh, uh, I know uh, Mike isn't uh, particularly familiar, but Stephen and I, before we ever had a podcast, uh, we did a we did a website together where we reviewed movies, and uh, that was one of the things we always joked about: man bites dog, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, if yeah, yeah. If a dog bites a man, it's not news. If a man bites a dog, it's front page news. But now we're entering this new uh, <laughs> this new era where uh, uh, yeah, Android dog bites <laughs> bites woman digging through <laughs> trash can for <laughs> for cans. I I, I don't know. I don't know why we're going with this stuff because iRobot is a thing. Yeah, yeah I I. I iRobot, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've we've all seen this, whether or not it actually <laughs> happened. And they and they keep pushing this, like fuck you, MIT. Just come out with a robot dog, and you're just gonna let it run rampant. Do you not understand the consequences of this? <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I've watched yeah. the Terminator. I've watched Chopping Mall. I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> Shopping mall. That's a deep cut. Oh, no pun in, no pun intended. Shopping mall. Mike, have you seen Chopping Mall? I have not. Oh, you should watch Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall. <laughs> yes, yes, shop- yeah. Put- well, the original title is Killbots. It's about a bunch of uh, uh, radio-controlled robot cops that control the mall, and then what? But water gets on their control panel. Yeah, if if you like uh if you like eighties slasher films like uh Friday the thirteenth or uh Nightmare on Elm Street, you're gonna love Chopping Mall. <laughs> oh. oh man. I might have to check it out then. Hmm. So, but I, uh, uh, I, I actually got to get going now. I was because uh, I got to work early in the morning. I figured I'd yeah, do about an hour with you guys. Yeah, that's well, cool, thanks man. For being thanks. Uh, yeah, before you go, um, uh, why don't you give the why don't you give a shout out uh, to our fans here? Let us know where your next stand up show is, and uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Uh, well, my next stand-up show is this Saturday at Craft Brew Underground in Auburn, but it is sold out. But the next week, next Friday and Saturday, the 23rd and 24th, I'll be at Chunky's Cinema Pub in Nashua, New Hampshire. And uh, that's a movie nice. theater, so you know it's it's fair amount of seats and whatnot. Uh, and my podcast, uh, I'm only on my second episode right now, but uh, it's called Gray After Dark. And it's uh, it's on Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, uh, and Podbean. It's like 
Nice. Six, and, five uh, or six. Yeah. Everyone who listens to this show and is a fan of Nate, go to his show on Saturday and put the next three shows and throw pins at this guy. <laughs> P-E-N-S. Throw pins at me. Yeah. yeah. Oh. All right, Mike. Well, thanks for being on the show, man. I appreciate it. And uh, I don't no know, problem, man. man. Thank you for having me. Hopefully sometime this year. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you ever need a guest on your podcast, I, I, I mean, I know a guy. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> just, just saying, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, man. Yeah, anytime. I got I to gotta actually right, start booking comedians on my podcast. But, yeah, I'll let you know, dude. Yeah, for sure. That's the nice uh, yeah, thing and about hope- Nate. He always makes sure to give you a good reach around. <laughs> oh, he does. Well, it's just courtesy. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's common courtesy, Stephen. Come on, man. Don't worry. <laughs> so, all right, everyone. So that's Mike Gray. Uh, he's signing off for the night. Uh, Stephen and I got another hour where we're going to talk shit and do shit. Uh, and uh, maybe I'll get a reach around uh, if I'm lucky. So, uh, Mike, hopefully you and I will get to do a show together sometime in the next year. Uh, uh, yeah, for sure. In, in the five years that we've been doing stand-up comedy together, we've done four shows together. So uh, eh. it is what it is, man. Like it I is, said, yeah. 200, 200 comedians, uh, 20 venues. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got to do what we got to do. So, That's true. all right, man. So, so thanks for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. That was fun. So I hope you no had problem, fun. No problem, man. You guys take it easy, all right? Yes. Okay. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Oh. That sounds like podcasting, man. 5,000 podcasters, <laughs> two guests. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I know. Right? So so that was fun. Yeah, yeah so that's my friend Mike. Yeah. Yeah, that's my friend place. Mike. Uh, but, yeah. Sadly, so, uh, a landmark of movie going out in L.A. Heck, wasn't this like a major character that showed up maybe about five, four or five times in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, the mm. Cinerama Dome? Yes, yes. You and I were talking about this before uh, before we were talking to Mike. You and I were talking earlier. Yeah. Um, wow. Talk about Talk about some... Uh, I guess I would say shit timing, but it seems almost natural right now with the see who shall not be named uh, virus going around that a lot of there, I wouldn't even say they're a small business though. Like you said, they like Cinerama branched out across the country, right? Well, that's the only one that left, but the company, I think they have like maybe one of those that have like 20 or so independent theaters. Yeah, The right. biggest one is the Cinerama because that's like a historical place. It's one of those like, oh, I'm a movie junkie. What am I going to do when I go out to L.A.? I'm going to see a movie at the Cinerama Dome. Now, now for me... Whenever I go out to L.A., I go to New Beverly, but of course, as we all know, I'm a fan of 
Quentin Tarantino, and he lives right up the hill from there. So if you go to the New Beverly, there's a chance that he might show up with, you know. And don't talk to him. Oh, I don't. I never. I never would. No. Yeah, that's one of the rules that if you see Mr. Tarantino there, don't mm-hmm. talk to him. You'll get kicked out. No, I never would. I never would. You know me. I don't think I would ever yeah. talk to him even if I ran him on the street. As much as I love his movies, I think he's a fucking annoying person. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I would ever talk to him. I don't think I'd ever talk to him no matter what. Like, I could run yeah. into him at Starbucks. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I could run into it. Hey, Nate, are you talking about me? Uh, I don't want to talk (laughs) to you. Why? I want to keep loving your movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Can you just, uh, can can you just back away, dude? Can you just back away? I I really have nothing to say to you. (laughs) Like, just, I love your movies and I want to keep loving your movies. Just get the fuck away from me, man. (laughs) Uh, I I kind of feel like. There's a couple of yeah. What were you going to say? There's a couple of guys that I've met while on the show or podcast. I'm like, damn, I wish I hadn't met them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah. you were saying that earlier about uh, like Philip K. Dick's wife, you were saying. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Didn't, didn't really need, didn't really need to talk to her. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I mean, there's just so many guys who are like, you don't want people, most of the times, you don't want to meet your hero. Yeah. Well, see, that's the funny thing, and this is what I was talking about Mike with before he came on the show today. I said, you know, uh, I do the stand-up comedy stuff, and I – and." And, and uh, you know, I smoke pot and I drink and, you know, you and I are both cult film fanatics, but you're actually the one who goes out into the field and goes to uh, to the to the different uh, book conventions and, and film, you know, uh, cult film stuff. Well, and, I've only done you know, a couple. One's Monster Bash up in Pittsburgh, uh, Cinema Wait, uh, no Horror Realm. Up in Pittsburgh, right. uh, the one drive in Monsterama, which we'll be doing a show about this Sunday. Woo! But we'll get that later when we get into uh, self promoting horror mode. <laughs> yeah. That's the funniest yeah. thing but about no. you comedians. That yeah. you are bad for being so, you guys are bad for being self promoting whores. It's like, yeah, I love telling jokes and all that. Okay, we can make time we can see you tell jokes. <laughs> it's hey. you too, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, well, you got you got to do it. I mean, come on, man, we're not professional comedians. I, I mean, I guess. Technically, we are professional comedians. We get paid and we get booked on shows, but you know, not not fucking Robin Williams over here, you know. I mean, so we have to, yeah, we have to promote. And like like I said, you know, Mike and I know probably uh, two hundred different comedians that we work with everywhere from New York to Northern Maine, but uh, 
you know, you you meet a bunch of comedians and you do a bunch of shows, but yeah, you know, twenty bucks, chicken wings and a beer doesn't doesn't make you uh you know, doesn't doesn't pay the rent. It's just fun. Yeah. So you gotta and this promote podcast you gotta promote like Yeah. And this podcast yeah. is look at you guys like you get food? You <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the one way to get a laugh from a fellow podcaster. Go up to him and say, Hey, how much do you get paid? <laughs> right. <laughs> the last couple of uh the last couple of stand up shows that I did, um, there was no promise of payment. Uh, we worked for tips. So they put a tip jar and there were six comedians. They put a tip jar up on the stage. And uh, I did, I did make $20 at the end of the night. I got my $20. I got my free beer. I got my free chicken wings. It was fine. But I fucking, uh, Steven, I'm not from Maine. I don't fucking know how to find my way around Maine and my phone died, so I didn't have my GPS. I was just driving the back roads of southern Maine, trying to find my way back to where I thought I lived. <laughs> it was fucking miserable, dude. I had to, yeah, I had to call my wife. The wasn't right. <laughs> I had to call my wife when I had 3% battery and just be like, hey, I'm I'm probably going to sleep in the back seat of my car tonight because I can't find my way home. So, uh if I don't see you tonight, I love you. Um give my give my love to the kids. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh shit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I go to the Knoxville Horror Fest every year. It's like the thing about going to certain fasts is that certain people go there so many years, it's like incestual. It's like you see yeah. the same well, guys there all the time, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, I mean, that kind of goes to what, uh, you know, Mike and I were talking about doing, like, stand-up comedy. Uh, you know, when you're when you're – located like we 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 go up and down the east coast uh so we're everywhere from new york up to northern maine and so yeah there's like 200 comedians that you know but you see the same 200 comedians it's it's almost like a school year you know uh yeah. when when it's when when the weather's nice and all the comedians are out you're going to end up working with a bunch of the same comedians over the course of the summer, but then, you know what I mean? It, it, you see the same people over and over and over again. And it's kind of funny. Uh, this is something that I wanted to get into with Mike, uh, but he hopped off, but I, I, I kind of forgot about it too. But, um, you know, a lot of people think that stand up comedians just jump up on stage and make up the same jokes or, or make up new jokes every night, rather. Um, uh, I'm, I'm here to tell you that is not how it is at all. And Mike and I talked about this a little bit 
when he was on the show. You sit down, you write your jokes, you rehearse your jokes, you try them out at open mics, and then you do the same bits over and over and over again. So it's kind of funny when we get into a situation like this where, like I said, you're you're uh, interacting with like the same 200 comedians over the course of nine months, and uh, you just sit through the same bits that you've heard over and over and over again. And I'm not, it, I, I love all these people. I'm not disparaging anyone. I'm just saying, but man, you think it's, you know, you, you go to one, one night of comedy and you're like, Oh, this shit is funny. And then now imagine doing that like every night for nine months and just, hearing the same jokes over and over and over again. You're like, ah, yes. Well, just imagine working uh, New York City like uh, I think I told poor Bob Saget told him that book I killed. It's like he come up there and he's like, oh, I got great news for you. What? Richard Pryor is going to test out jokes and open for you. (laughs) What? Yeah, he was just like, fuck you, I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That reminds me. So uh, I, I was going to tell you about this, and we might as well just talk about it while we're on the air since we're goofing on it. But uh, I went to uh, I went to some flea markets uh, two weeks ago, uh-huh. and uh, one of the flea markets had a bunch of old posters and oh man, they had an original poster for a comedy night at a New York comedy club that was Richard Pryor and George Carlin. Oh, it was beautiful, man. It was uh, so so had. nice. It, he was he priced it at one hundred and forty dollars, so I think he knew what he had. Fuck, he knew what he had, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wanted it so bad, but I didn't. I didn't want it $140 bad, you know. Yeah, no, I know, no, no, no. It's yeah, like, I, I was like, oh. I love George Romero's stuff, but you try to buy any of his posters, even video store posters in Pittsburgh, you're going to end up paying too damn much. Yeah, yeah. Well, like you said, it depends on whether or not someone knows what they have, but... Um, And this is something that you and I talked about within the last couple of weeks on the show is, uh, you know, people nowadays, it's not hard to find out what something is worth. You can just go, you know, you can Google it and see what or go on eBay and see what people are asking for something. And that at least sets a a bar for what you're for how much you're going to sell something. Um, Yeah, the bar is how far you want to stick it up someone. I've always done that play market. It's like, uh, how much do you want for this? And then they pull out like a price guide or or look it up on eBay and stuff. I'm like, sorry, bye. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. Uh, I like the dreamer's ball. It's like, hey. You look up there and you see like a pop, and they're like, they're selling it for sixty bucks. And then you have an extra one, and I'm like, here, I like to sell. How much you want to pay for me? 
oh, about 10 or 15. And then they point out all sorts of little dings and dents that really don't matter. I'm like, you got that one up there. It looks like a dog chewed on it, and you want 60 bucks. <laughs> yeah, but that's right? my selling price. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Like, it's so discouraging to be a collector in this day and age. And, you know, uh, I know you and I are both, uh, we're both kind of like junkies when it comes to collecting stuff. But y- you, I, I believe, you, you seem to be more interested in collecting uh, newer, like uh, you're always looking for the new like Criterion Collection uh, Blu-ray or or something like that. Uh, you seem something, to be more interested yeah, in that. that I, I don't know. I got some DVDs here that all the ones that I couldn't be able to buy nowadays just based on the price of it. Right, and 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 that's that's where I'm at with uh, with my collecting. Uh, I col- like I I still maintain a VHS collection because there are a lot of films that I can't get in their best version on DVD or Blu-ray, so I just keep the VHS, you know. Uh, and same with DVD, I I keep the the DVDs for films that I can't get. I mean, shit, man, I still have I still have video disc. Uh, like Liddy, laser, what is it? Laser video disc. Yes, I still have laser video yeah, disc, the, and I still have. Yeah, I still have frig. I still have friggin' beta. I mean, Jesus Christ, man! I, it's a sickness, Stephen. It's a sickness. Uh, it was back in '03, '02. Someone had a complete SpectraVision set that I would have killed to have had, and a working SpectraVision player. And Ooh, the only yeah. one is like two bucks a disc and twenty bucks for the player. Imagine trying to get that nowadays for that cheap. Well, you know how I got my my beta uh, my beta. Uh, a friend of mine used to go to auctions in the area uh, every every mm-hmm. Wednesday night. They would have an auction, and and he would go because he was a musician. He played. Uh, you know, like 20 different instruments. So he was always just going to these auctions to try to find uh, rare instruments that he didn't already own. And uh, he went one night and there was a Betamax uh, machine up for sale with 30 movies and he bought it for 20 bucks because he thought of me. He was like, yep, Bradford's going to want this. So uh, yeah, he gave it to me, and so I've got the Betamax, and all the movies that came with it were from the 80s, obviously, Jaws, Return of the Jedi, uh, E.T., yeah. uh, fun stuff, though. That's fun. You know what movie I, I would kill, kill to get on Betamax just because of what the movie is, and that's Videodrome. Oh, yeah, Videodrome. That would be a fun one for sure, yeah. Yeah. Just because of how, just because it's like Cronenberg uh, always talks about. I don't. He's like Betamax is my favorite, so I put Betamax in Videodrome. I'm like, oh, <laughs> right. But yeah, but then you get all these idiots. They're like, I paid a hundred dollars for this VHS. Why? 
Because I like the box art. Do you care what the movie is? No, I just like the box art. Oh, now see, now that's where I kind of have to disagree with you, man, because I I buy a lot of shit just for the box art. I really do. I spend a lot of money on video discs and Betamax and shit that I don't need just because I like the box art. VHS, come on, man. I got the big box version of Creepshow on VHS just because I love the art so much. Of course I have it on DVD. Of course I have it on Blu-ray. Of course I have another VHS copy of it. But I fucking love the artwork on Creepshow, man. I will. I'll spend. Oh, I'll spend money gorgeous. on. It. I've always hated <clears throat> that during the early years of DVD, where you would have these movies. Uh, like I'm looking at my posters: The Raven, The Beyond, uh, Bay of Blood, uh, Zombie Two, Last House on the Left. That had all this gorgeous poster art, but they always made sure to put the face on the cover. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Hey, uh, Tom Cruise is in this movie. We got to put him on there. It's losing it. How many Tom Cruise fans would like Mission Impossible are going to buy losing it? <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I'm really digging deep there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you You know what? You know what, Steven? You're losing it. <laughs> or uh, Mel Gibson and no uh, Kevin Costner and I forget what the movie is. It's some like horrible no budget slasher that uh, Troma has that Kevin Costner was in, so they promoted it as a Kevin Costner film. I have no idea what you're talking about. I do not. Yeah, I. A Kevin Costner yeah, movie that's, that's distributed was... distributed by Troma. By Troma. Yeah. Hmm. I do not know. I can tell or... you that... Uh... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, while we were talking, I went shopping for Videodrome on Beta, and uh, it's not available. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's one of those titles that whoever has it is not going to sell it. And that's the right. level, once you get to that point of collecting, you might as well just give up. <laughs> right. It's I don't know. Like, um, uh, you know, it's like, we only made like 8,000 copies of this. Whoa. Well, or well that's what you and I VHS a demon. Yeah. Right. That's what you and I talked about. Uh, I mean, you and I have talked about this several t- times over mm-hmm. the years. Ugh. Um but like um you know, like when something new comes out in a limited edition, you've got all these assholes that will just buy all 500 copies and 10 minutes later it's on eBay, you know. Oh, like, oh speaking, I here's bought. our dumbass of the week. This guy was complaining because uh, one of Vinegar Syndrome's new 
copy new movies has disc rod on it. And this guy actually posted, who cares? The slipcover looks good, so I'm happy. Okay. Now, yeah, see. So you can't watch a movie you paid like 40 or 50 bucks for, but you're happy because you got a good slipcover on it. Yeah. Um, well, like I just said, I will buy a VHS uh, uh, or a beta tape just for the artwork, but I still want to be able to watch it. I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to buy something. And, and and when it comes to those slip covers, uh, on most, oh, Jesus Christ, I got the hiccups again. Uh, fucking whiskey's a hell of a drug, man. Um, but yeah, uh, a lot of those cardboard slip covers that come on Blu-rays and DVDs, I just throw in the trash. If the artwork is the same, I shouldn't say I throw them in the trash. I recycle them. I'm a fucking hippie. I, I recycle as one, as one should, uh, but yeah, I just, heard it's a bunch of I just heard the whole vinegar syndrome collectors group fall to their knees and just start crying for you saying that. <laughs> nope. Oh, it, if the artwork, if the artwork on the, if the artwork on the on the on the actual DVD or Blu-ray is the same as the artwork on the. <laughs> on the cardboard sleeve, I just fucking recycle that. I recycle that shit. I don't care. And I collect I more stuff it. like the Criterion if there isn't already a good edition of the movie out there. It's like uh, when Criterion put out, uh, like, The Man Who Can't Fell to Earth. People are paying, like, 80 bucks for that Blu-ray and the exact same extras, movies, transfer, and all that, you can get it on... Another Blu-ray for like twenty-five dollars. Right, exactly. Yeah, if you can get the same material for cheaper, why overpay for it? It's like I've been waiting forever for Massacre on Central High to come out, and then all of a sudden, it's coming out. Synapse is finally putting it on Blu-ray. Awesome! It's sixty bucks for a steel book. Fuck mm. you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it, it's funny to me as you know to think about, and I know you've thought about it as well. But uh, there are so many. You know, we we've kind of we've painted ourselves into a corner because we're fans of these obscure cult films, but now the people who actually ha- have the the rights to release these films, they do know. It goes back to what, when we were talking about movie posters, they know what they've got. They know, you know. Um, when we talk about trauma or we talk about something weird video, uh, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, we're talking about uh, companies that for the people they something weird video trauma they want you to get 
at least a version of the film. If it's, It might not be the best version that you're going to get, but they're not going to sell you a fucking steel box and then slip a cardboard cover over it with some old school artwork. You know, they're going to give you the best version that they can give you for an affordable price. And a lot of these companies nowadays, and I, I, I hate to say it, but I do feel that way about synapse and vinegar syndrome. I feel like they're fucking milking it. They're, they're charging you way more than what those movies are worth. Yeah, I mean, My I want to say the black on the, I mean, it's like, oh, God, I want the Blu-ray page the black. Oh, it's 40 bucks? I got the DVD. Yeah, you already have it. You already have it on DVD or you already have it on VHS. Or like me, you already have it on fucking beta or Laserdisc. Like, you, you know, like, don't, uh, I don't know. Don't stick your thumb up my butt. And tell me you're just saying hello. Yeah. It's just fucking, you know, just a waste of money. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's the people that didn't get it the first time that are overpaying it like, for it. Like uh, the Shout Factory uh, set of My Bloody Valentine that come with the figure. $80. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shout Factory is another one that kind of annoys me when it comes to that shit. Um, I like a lot of the stuff that they release, but I don't agree with the prices that they set for the, you know, I mean, for crying out loud, man, like Shout Factory releases episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000 on Blu-ray. Okay, fine. I can watch those for free online. I can watch them on fucking Pluto, you know, or We're whatever. We're going to get a complete set of MST3K on Blu-ray. Why? Rights issues! Right? It's the same the reason why when you watch... The only get Season Zero is to illegally download it. Well... Don't tell anyone. But I already did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're like, let's see, season zero, you're going to get, the only way you're going to get a complete set of, well, any of the, com- I don't think, is there any of the seasons besides the last <laughs> one that's on Netflix that is able, that you're able to download completely? Um. Or buy completely. I mean, no, no, you can't, you can't buy, no, you can't buy any of the MST3K, uh, like, complete, like you said. Uh, Shout Factory has the best versions available, but they release, like, three-disc sets, and each disc has three episodes on it. So, you're basically buying nine nine episodes at a top at a time but yeah you're like you said there are so many episodes that you're never gonna get it's like uh it's like trying to buy uh the wonder years or uh freaks and geeks well, the there's wonder so years, much they finally spent the money and it finally came out 
So they they do have a version of the Wonder Years that has the original music now. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, not the only. I haven't tried to. I haven't tried to buy Blu-ray or DVD or or anything. But I watch it on uh, Hulu or Netflix, whatever fucking streaming yeah, site that it's that on. Stupid. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Shitty. For, uh, the yeah, shitty, music the shitty version. Yeah, they have shitty music replacements for a bunch of songs. Like w- that we, we talked about this on the earlier thing. It's like WKRP. You're never going to get that complete with the complete music because of all the rides. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. This is weird, though, man. I don't know. Yeah, Once you get it, the music you know, rights and rights issues, you get in the weirdness. I see why season zero is never going to come out. I mean, there's Godzilla films on there, uh, Gamera films. Yeah, and uh, Toho Toho Studios has a fairly lenient uh, fair use law. Like they 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 don't really go after people. I mean, uh, one of the things that uh, Sean Timms and I did uh, over on our website, we recorded an entire song of uh, an entire album rather of songs about Godzilla films. And we used a lot of samples from actual Toho movies and they, they gave us their blessing. They, they, they don't, uh, they're not going to chase you down over crap like that. They, they enjoy, I guess they enjoy the coverage. I don't know, but. Yeah. I mean, if you really do want the Godzilla series, you can get them easy on, uh, let's see, there's the Criterion set that covers the 60s and 70s films, the two Shout Factory sets that covers the 90s films, But Gamera is kind of easier because Arrow has the original set and the new trilogy. What what uh, what's what's the new the new trilogy? You're talking about the Japanese version. You're not talking not talking about like Skull Island and and that shit, right? You're talking about yeah. I'm talking the about Jap- the '90s. Japanese. When I say the new series, I mean the '90s series. Oh, okay. Or as they call it, the Shawa series and the Hesai series. Yes. Gotcha. But it does annoy the hell out of me. There's, like, stuff like, uh, you know, oh, let's see, uh, just throwing it out because it's right here next to me. It's like, oh, uh, uh, Stripes. Yeah, Stripes is good. I ain't going to buy it. Stripes is out of print now. Oh, my God, I must buy it. I must buy it. I don't know what it is about people, collectors, not buying something until they can't buy it anymore. Hmm. Yeah, um, well, uh, I was kind of leaning into that a little bit when we were talking earlier. Um, because 
I am I am a nerdy collector type of dude, and it's not just about uh, movies and posters. No. And I, I collect a lot of action figures and and shit like that. And you're right, like, um, well, you and I have done this before because I've found uh, action figures and and things at, at stores up here. Uh, for those of you listening at home who aren't aware of this after seven fucking years, Stephen and I do not record this together in one room. We live thousands of miles away from each other, yeah. but we still record. Uh, but, you know, I found things up here. I've sent you like action figures and comic books and things that, uh, that you wouldn't have otherwise found in your own area. Um, but but yeah uh it it is it it goes back to what we were saying before uh yeah if you find the if you find if you find the gold mine and, and or you find the what do they call it uh oh what was honey that hole. show the glo- the honey hole the honey hole yeah if you find yeah i was going to say glory hole but that's a different thing isn't it glory <laughs> yeah. Glory hole is something different. But, yeah, well, that happens when you try to buy stuff. It's like uh, you go to a flea market and you see this cheap stuff and then you see a guy buy it and he's like, oh, my kid loves this stuff. And then you're like, don't you have a table, like two tables back? Yeah, but I'm buying this for my (laughs) kid. And I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, I know what you're doing. Resellers. Yeah. Um, so, uh, oh man, several, uh, several years the most, ago. Two most expensive soundtracks that I know of are, uh, the recording of, of, uh, Tommy, that's the actual movie soundtrack, because that was pulled by the Who, because they didn't want any competition, and in the same vein, the soundtrack to Pink Floyd's The Wall. <laughs> yeah. Um that that pisses me off because you know you know I'm a big vinyl nerd, so I there are certain yeah. certain records that I, that I want on vinyl. And uh yeah, the 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 original soundtrack to Tommy is very difficult to find all you all you can find on vinyl uh easily available is that fucking yeah the who version and i don't want the fucking who version i want tina turner i want elton john i want to fucking hear what i saw and you and you know this goes back to when you and i first started writing together the uh, uh, on our Ooh. blog uh can, you know, Ken Russell, like we're big Ken Russell fans. We love the Ken yeah. Russell version. We want, we want the fucking Ken Russell soundtrack. Yeah. And I mean, even though I you got, who do you think is the worst singer in that movie? Uh, and your, and your three choices are Jack Nicholson, Oliver Reed, yeah. or, uh, and Margaret. Who does the worst job? <laughs> ah, oof, ooh. All right. I'm, I'm going to go with Anne Margaret on that one. 
if I have to choose, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Anne Margaret. Who's your choice? I don't know. Uh, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, but he's yeah, bad. But, but still, you got uh, Eric Clapton's badass version of that song from The Who. Of course, Tina Turner's stealing that whole movie. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Don't. And you can say whatever you It is a. You can say whatever you yeah, want. Yeah. Say whatever you want about Tina Turner, but don't ever disparage her performance in Tommy. She fucking owned that. That was awesome. Yeah. And, of course, Pink Floyd, the Wild, the movie soundtrack has two songs that's not on the original album. See, now, I didn't know where you were going with th- with this because this is not something I'm aware of. I have Pink Floyd, the Wall on vinyl. You're saying that there are songs on the album that were not in the, in, in the film? No, there's songs in the film and the album that's yeah. not on the original Pete Floyd, oh. you know. Huh. No, I don't know. I need you to inform me. I, this, this is not uh, something that I'm aware of. It's like uh, the Royal Fusiliers uh, song where he, where he tells the story of his dad. That's in right. the movie, okay. but not... On the album. Hmm. I guess I never noticed that. But again, as we've established several times before on this show, I do smoke a lot of pot and I do drink a lot of whiskey. So. Yeah. And did the movie ever come out on Blu-ray? I've got the DVD, but I don't think it ever came out on Blu-ray, even if just a reissue. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I do not have a copy of the film at all. Um, I I have the album, but I haven't watched the film in probably like fifteen years. Um, who who yeah. who directed that? Who directed that? Uh, Alan Parker. Alan Alan Parker. Yes. Yep. That's yeah. that's what I thought. Yeah, I Alan couldn't Parker remember. Parker with animation by Gerald Scarf. Yes. Now, now, and another rare uh, one to find, and this is just as the movie, and this is where you get in the weirdness, is Frank Zappa's 200 Motels, because half of the songs that are in the movie are not on the original album, and vice versa. <laughs> yes, again, going back to when you and I f- first started working together, 200 Motels was a film that we wrote about on our blog uh, uh yeah back in the day and yeah um i feel like the 200 motels soundtrack is just a sloppy mess anyway like i don't really feel like it i it, the movie i don't know i guess yeah fuck it the movie and the soundtrack are just a sloppy mess i love frank zappa but that was all just a bunch of nonsense. He's and not an you actor. and I he's not an actor. He's one of the worst. Even the fans of Zappa he's not a good yeah. editor. Like uh like uh, Baby Snakes. There's one half of a great movie there and that's the live concert stuff. 
And then you have 90 yeah. minutes of this bizarre animation stuff that are like, come on, let's get back to the good stuff. Well, I think I think you and I posited back when we wrote about this on our blog, I think we posited that we we kind of suspected, although we can't be sure, uh, it was kind of like a prank, like like Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa kind of did did it as a as a prank, like it wasn't really ever intended to be released as a film or an album. That he was just kind of putting it to the man, uh, you know. Snake or two hundred motels. Two hundred motels. Yeah. Yeah, baby snakes, I think. Well, I've got the uh, third part of this, where, which is the making of 200 Motels. And that the problem was is that Zappa wanted to make a certain movie, but the studio wanted a certain movie. And it just became a big freaking mess. Because there's even footage and songs on the making of 200 Motels that's not in the movie or on the soundtrack. It's like, hey, I've got uh, Ringo Starr in the movie. But to get Ringo Starr in my movie, I can't say advertise him or put his picture on the poster. (laughs) Right. Hmm. I know that feeling, you know, whenever I, uh, whenever I have to go out and do one of my comedy shows, I want, I want to say, you know, featuring Nate Bradford from the Cessploitation Conflagration, but uh, without your permission, I can't really mention the name of the show. What do you mean? You're the one who came up with there. You own the title of this show. <laughs> you came up with them, and it was on your <laughs> website first. But still, you're the boss. You're the boss, man. I just work here. I, no, I just you work. came up with it first on this thing. You know, I have I have seen that before. It's like. Oh, Nate's dropped, and hopefully he'll come back. We got seventeen minutes. I have always seen it on the web. You know, it's like I own the title of this. I have never seen that. That's when you get into uh, an ego bullshit, which I've never really had. There he is. Something happened. But yeah, I mean, it's like you came up with the sesquitation conflagration on your website first, and that you know, I have seen websites do that. They're like, you have to change the name of your thing. Why? Because I was using it four or five years ago. So I'm not making any money off this. I'm give I'll give you one hundred percent of the money I make off this. Okay. I don't make any money. So how are you going to give someone no. the the right 
to anything that you don't make any money off of, you know? <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Like, I I think about this all the time because, of course, I have a day job, you know? I work for the federal government. I have a day job. It's a nice Monday through Friday gig where, you know, I'm, I work days. I have my nights off so I can do my stand-up and I can do uh, the, these podcasts. And I can yeah. do my writing and I can do like, I can, I can make short films and I can do all the nonsense that I do. But I, I, yeah, I, I can't fucking monetize any of this for some reason. Like, okay, sure. sure yeah. Like I was joking around with Mike earlier, uh, you know, when we do stand up comedy shows, yep. You usually go on stage for 15 minutes. You get paid 20 bucks, you get some chicken wings and a beer, you're all set, you know, and that's fun. But like all of the time that we spend like doing these podcasts or all the time I spend recording music and releasing albums and all the times that I I, I spend uh, doing all, all of this extraneous stuff, it it nurtures my it nurtures my soul, but yeah, we got to fucking start monetizing all this shit, man. We got to make some money, all of it, not just our podcast. If yeah, you're listening we to don't this make po- enough to get noticed. If I'm right. He's like, I'm not going to monetize until I have enough money to not have, you know, it's like, oh, why, why don't you want to monetize? Because I have great. Medical insurance, one not here. <laughs> it's like right. if I make enough money off this, where I don't have to worry about a thousand dollars worth of prescriptions a month, where I pay like ten dollars now on my disability insurance. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. Uh, fucking, fucking medical insurance, man. That's a whole different discussion. Yeah, but. it's like I said to my mom before. When you when uh, when uh, when you were twenty, you had to worry about getting a job based on how much it pays. Now <laughs> at twenty, now when I was in my twenties, it's like, what kind of job do you want? Something that has great freaking insurance. <laughs> All right. Well, since we're since we're on the topic of uh, of healthcare and insurance, and uh, Mike uh, was speaking uh, with us about this earlier in the show, so have you heard yeah. this uh, rumor about the Johnson and Johnson vaccine causing blood clots? Have you heard about this? Well, it's not a this? rumor. They've got it. Uh, they've got it on hold for now. Because of reports yeah. that it is on there, it's like Johnson and Johnson and Pfizer wanted to, in a way, rush their vaccines out so they can make money off of it. I mean, hmm. so now, I mean, Johnson and correct- Johnson's are already in trouble for putting formaldehyde in baby powder. 
Yeah. <laughs> so correct me if I'm wrong, but you've already had your you've already had your vaccine, right? You you got both shots. Yeah, I've got the two shot. I've I got the Pfizer got, with the two shots. You got the Pfizer, yeah. 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 Uh so yeah, my wife Abby, she had her two shots as well. I have not had had the shots, but uh I'm I'm next in line this week, so that'll be fun. Do that. At least get my first one. So yeah. yeah I mean, so it's just crazy what they uh you know, it's like people are like, I ain't gonna get my shot. Why? Because because I, you know, they either believe that the 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 virus don't exist or other crackpot reasons. Yeah. yeah. Believe me, man, like uh like I said, I just mentioned a few minutes ago, I work for the federal government, so we have we didn't get any time off for uh for any of this pandemic. We've had to be to work every day throughout all of this, and um they did the mask mandate here in Maine, so everyone had to wear a mask, and of course, we've all been. Uh, using hand sanitizer and, uh, you know, just trying to stay as safe as possible. But I work with, I work with so many, I work with so many people who do not believe that the virus is a real thing. They're, they're literally not They're They don't give a shit. They, they, they hang their masks down under their noses. So, I mean, what fucking difference does that make? Right. They're going to be really when they find out that your uh, your notes is also connected to your respiratory system, I guess they'll be shocked. But, uh, yeah. Um, it's like so, yeah, they're in not the gonna... 80s, you couldn't go to a club or a restaurant without noticing, why is there a soap dispenser in the toilet urinals? Uh... <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but it's like, yeah, I'm not afraid of the virus. The virus don't exist, but don't say something that might upset me. Yep. Yeah. It's like during the early days of the pot of uh, when I did the podcast. I mean, early, early days before I even brought you up being on for to come there. We did a black exploitation show, and we had Keith Hayes and uh, his brother, who are well, they're still friends of mine. Uh, and they're like, we weren't allowed to watch black exploitation movies. Our parents said those are offensive. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then I mean, you said, you want to see an you want to see an offensive movie? Uh, this is going to be my go to from now on. You want to see an a Offensive movie? Watch Solo. It's got to be... <laughs> you, you and I have joked about this so many times. Whenever you see a list of the 100 most disturbing films of all time, Solo is always number one. Yeah, now it's, they, mo- it's a Serbian film. It's like... Yeah. Uh, 
they're talking like this guy's talking about is like I remember watching uh, the Untold Story or any of the category films, three films back in the nineties. Well, like those aren't offensive; those are gory and brutal. But yeah, nowadays he's like, I showed it back in two thousand, two thousand two. What Untold Story? People are like, Oh my God, how can you show that? Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of the same way I feel about. A Serbian film because you know you and I do joke often here on the podcasts about um, how every time we see a list of the most disturbing films of all time that uh, yeah Salo is always at the top but then you mentioned uh, rightfully so that that, and you have to go to his website because those shows are pretty much lost but the first three films that shows that he did were like most disturbing. Right. And well, that's... what did I call the episode where we talked about, let's see, uh, In a Glass Cage, uh, Cannibal Holocaust, uh, Serbian film, uh, Solo, The Usual Suspects. Yes. And that's, that's my point is um... – where where you and I goof on it because we always look at those fil- films and we're always like, oh, fucking, of course Solo is going to be the most disturbing film. But a Serbian film, it, 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 it kind of feels like a, it's that same like Eli Roth, uh, you know, with Hostel or Quentin Tarantino with, uh, Jackie Brown, you know, it, it, it like it's it's a not that those films are particularly disturbing per se, but uh, they're offshoots of an idea of how a film should be. Like Jackie Brown is an offshoot of what a black exploitation film should be. Hostel is uh, an offshoot of what a disturbing film should be, you know? Um, And I feel, I feel that way about, if um, you watch the real black exploitation films of the seventies, they were more like Jackie Brown, real people, you know? Yeah. You know, it's like, if you really want to see where, uh, Black exploitation really come from watch uh sweet sweet backs badass song, you know. Yeah. Yep. They were pissed off. The NPA was pissed off. How dare you say that uh uh sweet sweet back song was rated X by an all white jury. Okay, if I submitted it to you what rating would it get? We give it an X because all the nudity and <laughs> violence in it. Uh, would there any would there be any blacks that was on the MPA? No. So when I say rated X by an all white jury, am I really going over the top? No. Then shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> if someone's uh. stating something that's a fact to me, the most yeah. offensive and disturbing films are stuff that are really are disturbing. It's like when people are like, 
Oh, my God. Uh, Django and Chain is so racist. I'm like, have you seen a Dio-Dio-Com? No. <laughs> Trust me. There are darker, <laughs> nastier places that you don't want to go. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, maybe maybe sometime in the weeks to come, we we should really climb down this rabbit hole because you and I have talked about uh, so-called quote-unquote offensive films and, like you said, the usual suspects, the same films that come up all the time. But you and I have a keen eye and we're both aged men who have uh, knowledge about underground films and uh, obs- obscure films, we, we should put together yeah. our, own, our own list of the, the – let's just do yeah. ten, ten, ten most those, disturbing those films of all time. are nearly impossible to get because I've tried to download it from your website so I could re-upload it here. And for some reason, it always locks up on me. If I can download them, yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah. If I, we can even use the the joke, what the joke title uh, instead of Electric Boogaloo, it's like when uh, the re-edited version of uh, Apocalypse Now come out. Most disturbing. Yeah. Uh, most disturbing red dude. <laughs> right? Know. Yeah. I know I, I know what you're saying though, because I've had I've had problems. I mean, yeah, that is that is my website and I have had problems with the old shows that we uploaded. I don't know why that they won't download or why they won't open, but I'll figure it out. But yeah, I mean maybe. it just amuses me, it's like Oh my God! I watched the most offensive movie ever. I'm like, well, what was it? Ten years as a slave. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like when Ten Years as a well, Slave, that... uh, Django and Chains come out. I'm like, if they can't well, make uh, Ideal Zeal Tom look like a kitty film, then they're not really that old. <laughs> well, that's why I say that about uh, uh, a Serbian film, is I feel like that's where I was going with that when I was talking about, like, uh, Jackie Brown or Hostel. Uh, it's it's a slant. Uh, a Serbian film was made intentionally to be as offensive as possible you know it, it it wasn't that wasn't an accidental disturbing yeah. film it it was made to be as offensive as possible but um, like in a glass case in that you know yeah oh john like waters a, favorite oh yeah like pink flamingos <laughs> he made why did you make pink flamingos the fuck with hippies that are stoned. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh. Well, now we're going right. to get into well. the... Now, we're in overtime. We're going to get into the whore, and then we're going to say goodnight, y'all. Okay, Saturday, me and Fred are going to be doing Dawn of the Dead. 
because it amuses me how it went from dated into, well, post-COVID, damn, you know, it's like, Mm. it's become relevant again. And we'll get into that. Mm -hmm. And Sunday we're going to be doing uh, me uh, and as usual, the drive-in Monsterama show. And that's what we're going to be talking about, the films that's there. Nice. Oh, it always is a good show. It's like uh, they do two shows a year. Uh, the spring show, which is this upcoming one, they do the they do 80s stuff. And the one that they do in September is always 60s and 70s stuff. Like, I love the 80s show, but my favorite Two shows I've been has been the September ones where they did uh, Paul Nashi night. They're like, mm. I remember going there. People are like, what's this Paul Nashi stuff? I'm like, yeah, just wait till you see Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll. They're like, holy shit, that was good. <laughs> I'm like, I, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. But it was oh, yeah. great to see uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre on the drive-in screen. Evil Dead on the drive-in screen. These are films that are good to be seen because they were meant to be seen because people always like Grindhouse. I would have called it, you know, up north where you come from, I would have called it Grindhouse. You know, that's cool. But down south, yep. drive in. <laughs> yeah. Actually, though, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, Abby and I actually got to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre on the drive-in screen. And yeah. Gunnar Hansen lives – well, he lived. He's sadly passed away, but he lived yeah. up here. And, and, and he, he was at the show. Uh, signing autographs. <laughs> it was it was awesome. Yeah, it was cool. But yeah, there's certain films that you won't get their impact unless you see them on the drive-in screen. Like uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Seeing it on a drive-in screen, just wow. The way it was meant to be seen. For sure. Yeah. Same with, uh, let's see, Evil Dead, Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, you, a lot of this stuff was being, you know, was made to be seen on a drive-in screen, not there. Yeah. Or an inner city theater. Right. 42nd Street. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. no, I say inner city theater. It's like not 42nd Street, period. It's like... Where the blacks would go, it's like, oh, <laughs> what would you consider an inner city film genre, kung fu? Yeah. Yep. The mic for being on, and thanks to you guys for listening as usual, and we are one episode closer to episode 600. Woo! All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Like Get vaccinated and still. And you doing what? 
about 11 episodes left for the big 600. Oh, all right. Well, and I want we'll to get start there. numbering the sesploitation uh, conflagration. I think we're on like mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. pretty close to your 25th episode of the sesploitation conflagration podcast. Yeah, I know, right? Like, I was talking to you about this earlier. Like, we've been doing various uh, podcasts for like seven years total. So we've got a shit ton of stuff on there. Uh, I'll go. Yeah. I'm gonna go back to. I'm gonna go back to the website and see what I can dig up that actually still works. Uh, we'll see. Um, well, they do work. But yeah. if you go to the site and click on them, they're the only ones that are still there uh, pre uh, when we switched over to uh, yeah to the CC and I'm going to try to get I'm going to be doing an interview for the 600 of like Keith and probably hopefully Kevin Hayes because without them there wouldn't I wouldn't have gotten started like, I can remember right. the first episode I did, we didn't have no uh, co-host, and it was like basically sitting there under, a, you know, it's like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> <laughs> right? But, well, yeah. we've, we've managed to, we've managed to pull it together. So at least, uh, you know, hey, tonight was a good show. So... I'm gonna I'm gonna log off. Uh, everyone, get vaccinated. And just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you shouldn't wear a fucking mask anymore. Don't don't just do one or the other. Get vaccinated. Wear a mask. Thanks for listening. Thanks for Mike for being on the show tonight. Mm-hmm. Thanks for Stephen for uh, helping me out like he always does. So, all right. Mm-hmm. Good night, everybody. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Magneto's right. There's a war coming. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. You sure you're on the right side? Hasta la vista, baby.